coverage of the NCAA tournament live from Buffalo Wings and Rings at 68th and O on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Back to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. And the buzzer has sounded, and we officially have a big upset here in March Mayhem as Jacob Gilliard went to the Kansas City's own. In fact, Jacob Gilliard went to the free throw line, hit st- two stone cold free throws uh, to take away the win here and, and secure the win, I should say, for Richmond now. 67 63, the victory over Iowa. The Big Ten's cha- tournament champion is now out of the big dance. For what it's worth, Jacob Gilliard, too, is 24 points. Those last two on those free throws the most scored today by anybody Keegan Murray an All-American for Iowa finished with 21 points and nine rebounds as he is probably off to the NBA to be a lottery pick but uh, very interesting stuff uh, there we're going to jump into some Nebraska basketball news here in a second as well as Matt Abdelmasi was uh was I shouldn't say let go because they agreed to part ways with Nebraska today so we'll jump into that next uh it first I want to give you an update on some of the other scores going on once again Gonzaga the one seed, Georgia State, the 16th seed, worth keeping an eye on right now. Zags only up 35-33 at the half. Uh, so very interesting stuff going on there. Not as interesting for North Carolina Marquette, which was a game I had trouble picking. I ultimately went with North Carolina, and that looks like the right decision as of right now. Three minutes to go in the first half there. Tar Heels up on the Golden Eagles, 42-21, to doubling them up at this point. Again, the finals from earlier. Richmond with a big... Twelve! That's a twelve! <laughs> What's that? A twin twin twin. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they're up 43-21, so it's even worse. Oh, uh, Rich- worse. Richmond did beat Iowa 67-63 to for the big upset of the tournament so far. 12 seed beating a 5. It happens every year. Uh, one seed, Baylor beats Norfolk State 85-49. to Tennessee all over Longwood 88-56. to Providence with a 66-57 win over South Dakota State, a popular upset pick that didn't come to fruition. Uh, Memphis beat Boise State. State 64-53 in the 8-9 game and Michigan uh, secures at least one Big Ten team to this weekend with a 75-63 victory over Colorado State. Certainly an an exciting day of college basketball. That's why we're here at Buffalo Wings and Rings at 68th and 0. Once again, would like to invite you guys down here as we're giving out some prizes, having some fun, drinking some green beer on a St. Paddy's Day. Uh, But also there's some moves and some interesting notes about Nebraska basketball today. Nebraska basketball agreeing to part ways with Matt Abdelmasi, who had been the lead recruiter on this staff in under Fred Hoiber, uh, for several years now uh, at Iowa State and at Nebraska recruited some of the best recruiting classes ever at Nebraska according to the rankings but obviously it hasn't worked well on the court whether that's those guys meshing together or just not being able to keep that core around. I keep going back to kind of thinking Teddy Allen who's uh, set to play off here in a little bit. If Nebraska could have kept Teddy Allen around and maybe convinced Tolano Banton of another year, pair that those guys with Bryce McGowan's, you might have had a whole different story. Um, so, you know, the recruiting hasn't always been the problem. I think the retention of some of those guys has been a bit of a problem, and also the fit. 
Um, but in any case, they did get a few wins there at the end. Wasn't enough um, to save the job of Matt Abdelmasi. Again, with his recruiting, I wouldn't feel too bad for him. I think he'll be somewhat of a hot commodity out there as far as somebody else looking for a lead recruiter or recruiting uh, position on their staff, an assistant position, I should say, on their staff. But for Nebraska, it's the it's the end of an era there and the end of an era for Fred Hoiberg as, again, he had all, all his Iowa State success with Matt Abdelmasi by his side. Um, so what are your uh, initial thoughts here, Strick, as I think a lot of people expected this move or some more moves to come? Um, what are your initial thoughts on Abdomasi and Nebraska parting ways today? Obviously, this was a business decision, um, but in the, at the end of the day, it's also a personal side to this move, right? Um, it's got to be one of the hardest things for Fred Hoiberg to do because, there, you know, when, when he came on, when Abdomasi came on, one of the things he stated was, um, I, it's hard for me to call him coach because he's my friend. I mean, their families are really close. Their families are tight. Um, they've been together uh, since, you know, <laughs> Abdomasi was an intern with the Timberwolves also in 2008. Um, they, they've spent a lot of time together. And so it, it's tough when you've had those type of relationships and then you have to break that bond and then it becomes a business decision. It's, it's like, you know, a best friend, um, you know, losing another friend due to a business deal that went awry. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. it's a tough thing. So we'll, we'll have to see who will be able to step up and fill voids. We, we don't know if it's even uh, the coaching juggle is, is completed. It could be still uh, on the move. There still could be some things going on there. Um, but as of right now, he's the first uh, of, of potentially even more to go. You know, we're, we'll see sooner or later if this is going to look like a Fred, I mean, a Steve, Scott Frost <laughs> a Scott Frost situation where it's just going to be a total upheaval of the whole coaching staff we don't know so we'll we'll see how it goes right now um, there's still some guys still there we'll, we'll see what's the next move for Fred Hoiberg and the crew yeah, and do you think that there is uh, going to be some several moves made? Do you think that they're just cutting them off one by one? It would seem, you know, just at least for PR's sake usually, um, just, just make one clean move here. But maybe they're still doing the exit interviews, and that one, you know, was just maybe had the writing on the wall or, or whatever the case. I, I, I kind of expected a, a few moves to be made, but maybe, you know, maybe you just need one fall guy, I suppose, as to why this isn't Very working possible. out. And he is the lead recruiter. I mean, he is the guy a lot of people have pointed to. He's kind of the lead assistant. So if it's not going to be Hoiberg, it almost had to be Hoy uh, Abdelmasi. But, you know, maybe there are a few more guys to come. Um, do you think that that's probably the, the case? Or do you think there could just be one fall guy in this case? Um, to be honest, I, I think there's got to be more. I, I think it's uh, maybe one more. I think it's probably got to be one more at least. I, I think you've got to be able to just change the whole dynamic of what internally it looked like. Um, sometimes working with different guys, new guys, guys maybe that have um, a specialty that they bring to the table, working with someone else and, and just hearing a different voice, hearing a different idea, hearing a different uh, take on, on, on um, maybe a defensive scheme or an offensive scheme sometimes may go, go well for you. Maybe, the players hearing a different voice and seeing a different face as well, especially when it's so tainted as to what it looked like in this in, in these last few years. Um, you can at least point to the fact that you know we're we're trying to change and, and turn and turn over a new leaf, and a, that and, and it's not a clover leaf. So it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was going to get that one, 
but uh, maybe turn over a new leaf, man, and, and just do something new and, 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 and give a new and improved look internally, and, and maybe we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and then obviously the next kind of thought process there is may it impact the recruiting class that they come in, they have coming in, because that was the one thing that a lot of people were pointing to throughout the year is, you know, maybe if you did get rid of Hoiberg, you would lose a heck of a recruiting class, one of Nebraska's best ever. Of course, last year uh, was, I, I think, statistically Nebraska's best ever. Of course, they haven't been doing the rankings for quite some time. I'm sure, Strick, your, your class was pretty good back in the day as well, and there were a few there in the 90s that could rival it. But um, do you expect maybe a drop-off from those guys? Is this a dangerous move as far as trying to get maybe retain a Derek Walker or, uh, you know, or, or, you know, Bryce or Trey McGowans? Do you think um, that this is a, a little bit playing with the, the, their lead recruiter who probably had a big deal in, as far as bringing him in? Or do you think those guys are mature enough to understand what, what's going on? Um, but at the same time, maybe they've built up a relationship with them. So it could affect some things, I believe. Well, Abdul Masi was a, was had a unique position in that he he was a very staunch recruiter. So he mostly spent most of his time on the road. He spent most of his time uh, not necessarily on court stuff. So there's there's a different dynamic and a different relationship that you establish from when the, the recruiting process and then when you're on campus. Now there are great recruiters that also do both, right? Um, for example, a, a great recruiter was very similar in his in in, in what he did. For Oregon for such a time before he took his his head job with Tony Stubblefield what he was for um, uh, for Oregon for so long is that that's what he did he was a specialty in recruiting and uh, so he didn't spend much time on the on the court he did in games but for the most part in the practice and all the preparations and stuff like that so it, it could be I would venture to say that it would look more to incoming potentially recruits not necessarily those on campus uh, those maybe that were established a great relationship with him and then coming, they may say, hmm, I don't know, it's a little topsy-turvy for me. Maybe I'll you know, look elsewhere. Or maybe somebody that was there that didn't necessarily participate this year may look to maybe jump in the portal. And so that's the thing that uh, Fred's going to have to navigate. Uh, Fred Hoiberg is going to have to nav- navigate is, is is that retention aspect. That's got to become the culmination of Nebraska's foundation and future is basically retention amongst the, 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 uh, the players and keeping them longer so that they can basically be able to get some continuity and make runs at it. And that's been a problem for Nebraska for, through the first, you know, several years. Uh, under Hoiberg, you you do still you still feel that way, even though this team didn't uh, live up to expectations or or really have a great season. You don't. I, I guess there is a, a, maybe a thought process out there that you couldn't drop much further. Maybe a clean slate would be good for a lot of guys. But I mean, I, I agree with you. I think retention needs to happen uh, more so than anything with the Derek Walkers, with the Trey McGowan's. Kind of bring that that core back if you can convince Bryce, um, which is going to be interesting. I, I know you've said all along you'd love to see Bryce come back for his good, for, so he could work on some of those skills um, that he needs to really. You know, get running in the NBA, not just make it and get a paycheck, but um, to have a chance to make it there in the league. Is that kind of how you're still feeling with Bryce? You think that he would be best suited to come back? Uh, or there's always the idea. I mean, it, it's going to depend, I think, on what he hears from the, the scouts and the people talking to him because it's hard to dirt, turn down some guaranteed millions when uh, you don't have them yet. Well, if you listen to, to uh, Casey Thompson, you know, 
if I'm a UIL guy, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make at least a UIL move because at this particular situation, if it becomes about money, then, you know, you put a little something in the young fella's pocket and it'll make him feel good about coming back. That's the crazy thing about it because, you know, sometimes, you know, there is an enticement to go. He may be looking at a Delano Banton type of situation, but Delano Banton was a second rounder. There's something unique about that. He's a hometown kid. He's up in Toronto. That's where he grew up. So, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of different you know, ire about that. Plus he has something. There is a lot of, there is a ton of Bryce McGowan types. There's not a lot of Delano Benton types who can versatility and play like a Magic Johnson and play the point guard and play the forward and play all these different, different ranges of positions and guard multiple positions like that. Unless um, Bryce showed me some of that diversity that's where Keegan makes himself unique. Keegan at 6'8", he can do a lot of different things from that position at 6'8". No, so Bryce is very talented, but he's very offensively talented. And so therefore, um, there's, a, there, there's, there's still a little bit more growth that he can have that can put himself in a better situation to, to move up the draft boards as opposed to just going in as a second rounder and then trying to make the team. That I, yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting too because he's got uh, <laughs> got some fans over here drawing Iowa sucks over here, and they certainly do. They're out of the tournament now, so they're right. Uh, they've been teasing me all along because I preached Iowa as well. Uh, I said earlier I adopted Iowa for the tournament. That was short lived. I don't have to adopt Iowa anymore. Um, so a lot of the fans are having their fun, and, and of course I'm not feel I'm not too hurt about it. I'm glad Nebraska fans get to uh, cheer against the rival and, and see them go down early. Um, so the tournament's made for a lot of Nebraska fans already. Uh, as it as uh, We'll update you on the scores here in a second. Do you think that Bryce McGowan's uh, stock can drop at all? I mean, he is a guy that has, um, uh, you know, the NBA draft a lot of times based on upside. I guess my only thought is if he came back next year, didn't improve on his shooting percentage, you know, maybe his assists and steals didn't go up all that much. Do you think his stock could drop all that much? Or is he certainly has NBA athleticism, has the body, he's young. If he, like, repeated his performance from this year to this next season, do you think it would drop at all? Um, or is there a chance it could drop outside of injury? Here's the problem. The issue that, persists, that exists with Bryce is this. The game has changed. It is Steph Curry-style game now. So, therefore, you have to be able to stretch the floor. You have to be able to shoot the three. We know he has capabilities, but there's inconsistencies. With him shooting under 30%, they're looking at most guys in, in college to be able to shoot anywhere from 30, 34 to 37% minimum. And if you're elite, you're up in the high 30s up into the low 40s if you're elite. Him shooting below 30% from three is not going to bowl well for me. I don't care what even type of workouts he has because the workouts don't necessarily tell you. They're going to also look at the body of work. So they're, they're going to say, okay, yeah, we'll take you in the second round. We'll throw you in the G League and then maybe you can – you can present, you know, present a different case to us. But I would venture to say if he changes the if he changes the makeup and the thought process and the way that people view him now by by coming back, improving in those areas, becoming a more consistent shooter, finding himself in the mid 30s and then also still doing the thing and increasing his strength and all of those different elements of his game. And I think he put he pushes himself into the first round at that point. And I would like him, I would, if, if at worst case, he pushes himself to the end of the first round. I don't think he's going to be in the first round this year. 
He pushes himself to the end of the first round. Now he's on a good team. Now there's no pressure. So you may get some G League time. You'll probably be on the roster sometime. You may get some. You may not be that that guy that comes in right away, but you're going to at least get a scene. You'll get some time down in the G League, get some games under your belt, you know, put some put some time on the court. So those are the things that, if at worst, I would do as opposed to jumping in now because I don't think he'll be a first-rounder. And it's been great what the NCAA has done as far as allowing guys to, um, you know. Test the market. Uh, yeah, test the market and, and, and see if they can get going um, yeah. and, and kind of get there. So he's definitely going to do that. So don't be alarmed when he announces int- his intentions to do that if you're a Nebraska fan. Um, is there a possibility? I know it would be a very messy situation, but I've always thought this, and it would be great for college basketball, is that you don't get a guaranteed contract if you're a second-round pick. So a lot of guys take their chance to be in the end of that first round pick, um, and you lose for college basketball. You lose a lot of sophomores, a lot of a lot of freshmen, a lot of juniors that way, even um, because they want to take their chance at making money one way or the other. Now with NIL in the deal, would there be a possibility to even have yourself draft eligible up until the second round, and then the second round, you know, just send out a list of the guys or or maybe have it predetermined the guys that would say i'm staying in this draft first or second round regardless or guys saying i'm going to be either a first round pick or i'm coming back to school that seems to make too much sense as far as caring for the players i know it'd make a mess for the nba teams drafting in the second round but how much i mean the second rounds uh, throwing darts anyways uh, a lot of the time so actually outside of the lottery outside of the lottery actually we we, uh, us at Cbro, we at Cerebro Sports, we did those those numbers. We we've looked at that, and what we found in our analytics is that outside of the outside of the lottery, everything from that point on is is still a crapshoot. That's to include the first round, because they're basically taking yeah. a chance on uh, a you know a Mo Bamba, or they're taking a chance on uh, you know uh, uh, a Thon Maker, or you know some guy that's oh, yeah. an anomaly type of player that has potentially tremendous upside. And then they're just taking a shot at him to see if he's going to pan out. And, and that's the problem with that part of it. It is a crapshoot from there on throughout the draft. So, yeah. No. And then you've got you to also look at there's international players. So there's a lot of international players that you haven't seen or you haven't heard of, but they, you know, the NBA teams are aware of them. But you as an American, you're only looking at, you know, potentially just who's in college, possibly who you've competed mm-hmm. against, who you've matched up against. You're really just looking at that. You're, you're not looking at the whole scope. I don't know if the CBA has changed that they allow agents to continue to have um, to, to for you to sign with an agent and then be able to uh, yeah. still retain your your uh, amateur status. I don't know if that's still the case. I knew it wasn't the case for a long time. I don't know if the CBA has changed that. But I know that you could put your name in the draft in the draft. If you didn't retain an agent, then you can also come back and retract yourself if it didn't look like it was going to pan out for you. Yeah, I suppose the agent deal would would be the big hurdle there to try to, to get my idea running there. And it, it's hard to kind of filter through that. Uh, I guess you'd have to talk to the NCAA about hiring an agent and uh, and kind of get them to talk down there. But, again, if, if the NCAA wants to act like they're, you know, committed to the players and what's best for the players, what's best for the players is to give them the opportunity 
to get guaranteed money and then if they don't get it to make a better decision for them in the long term. A lot of those guys would still stay, but even to your point now, it's not, not just the foreign foreign players, it's the G League players. I think it's about four yeah. or five G League players now um, yeah, expected to be lottery picks or first-round draft picks. So um, They, they come out of what they call the G League, they, the G League Ignite. Ignite, A lot of yes. those players that come out of the Ignite, yeah. What is the mm-hmm. difference between the G League Ignite and the G League? Well, they actually compete against G League, you know, teams. Okay. So They're it's like younger? a G League team. And so they basically go, they practice together, they play together, they travel together. It's like, it's like a form of a college, so to speak. You have to be invited. They pay you an actual salary to be there. Sometimes they're, I think um, the, the most that anybody I think has made is maybe upwards of 500000 Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't think nobody's pop, popped a million. But I think the highest yeah. that maybe somebody, I think Jalen Green in those group was making, uh, you know, about 500000 So, yeah, I mean, you, you could take that route too, but I think you have to be invited. I don't, I don't think it's something yeah. you could just say, I'm going to go to the Ignite, you know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm off to the Ignite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have to, to be invited there. That makes sense. Uh, we are going to skip today's shootout with Strick. It's a little bit hard because we are on remote, but we will uh, give caller number three right now. Fifteen dollars to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Give us a call four two four six four five six eight five. We'll be back right on the other side. We are at Buffalo Wings and Rings at sixty eighth and oh. We invite you to come out and join us. We'll be live here at six. We'll be live here out tomorrow from eleven to six. Uh, plenty of good stuff. Green beer today for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, We're giving away prizes at the top of every hour from 12 to 5, so still a few minutes to get in here and get some raffle tickets if you want to win that 5 o'clock prize. Uh, We'll be right back here out at Buffalo Wings and Rings at 68th and 0 on the block. Give us a call right now, 402-464-5685. Caller number 3 wins $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. We'll be back. You're listening to coverage of the NCAA tournament live from Buffalo Wings and Rings at 68th and 0 on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.